Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Hey, podcast listener. Do you love talking about movies, music, TV, comics, and games? Then you should be listening to The Great Pop Culture Debate, back in bigger than ever for season nine. This season, the panelists discuss the best James Bond film, the best Elton John single, the best Nickelodeon original series, the best Batman villain, and so much more. Find the show wherever you listen to podcasts or head to greatpopculturedebate.com. More than 100 topics are already available. Subscribe today. DJ duo Lara Podelski and Lara Fraser, the Lalas, have teamed up during lockdown to bring you At Home with the Lalas. From around the world, phone calls to discuss what's on their minds during this totally bizarre time. This is At Home with the Lalas. Hello and welcome to the very last episode of this season's At Home with the Lalas. And this episode is sponsored by D1 Vodka, a very special vodka that Laura and myself know a little something about. What are you insinuating? (laughs) I'm insinuating after every single one of our At Home with the Lalas episodes, me and Laura have a little celebratory shot of vodka. vodka. (laughs) And I must say, it's the only shot that I can shoot, which I learned that word from you. (laughs) The only shot that I can shoot without, um, I don't want to say gagging, but without gagging. Oh my God, Laura. Okay, this is a child-friendly podcast. So, can we leave the gagging out? I'm no, I'm sorry. kidding. It's not a child-friendly podcast at all, but it's been absolutely amazing. Mm. And I just actually want to say thanks to you for putting up with me. Oh, my gosh. And vice versa. It has been a bit of a ride, Lau. So, I wanted to ask you, over this entire season, what has been your peak, which is your highlight, and what has been your pit, which is your low light? I think my peak would be from the second on we decided to do this, which Mm. was very much in the beginning of lockdown, I think around maybe March 20th. I think I still had COVID at the time. I think I was still sick and we decided to isolate together because we had been together anyways in the same place. And we figured we probably both have it. So um, you had no symptoms. I had some symptoms and just knew we needed to do something to get through because we both... I think realized quite early onwards that this wasn't just going to pass mm. in a week. So from the moment that we decided to do it to actually recording our first episode with Rose McGowan to to this whole journey of asking people to come on and everyone agreed and that has been the peak, just the whole journey up until today, mm. the six months. So your peak is the thrill of the entire journey. The thrill of the entire journey because this is my first podcast I've ever done. Same. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah. So, and we had to learn it all by ourselves, basically. Mm-hmm. And we, we learned so much. And and also, you know, 
this has been a trying time. I think I would say it's probably my pit would be what happened outside this little closet that we've been recording because the world went into turmoil. We lost so many lives. There was so much uproar. There were the BLM movement. There mm. was so much that happened outside this little safe space. But we still needed to bring that into the room. Mm. And I think by hearing different voices from like I said, Rose McGowan, Matt Haig and Louise Hazel. Granny Gordon, Ronnie Big Gordon, Nasty. Yeah, Big Nasty. There were so many, Sarah Melindwa, who was working on the front line. We just, I felt like it was a safe space, but it also was, was a, a trying, trying time. time. Yeah. yeah, not for us so much, but to hear the stories was, was trying. Yeah. Mm. What about you? So for me, I think the peak was learning a completely new skill set. Like you said, this was our first time ever doing a podcast. And there is actually a lot more involved than we thought from the beginning. So we did learn a lot of things. And then my pit might be... And my pit is also a peak, so it's going to be both. But sitting in the smelly closet with you... No. Smelly closet? No, I want to say, sorry, sweaty closet. Sweaty. Okay, well, first of all, um, thanks. I think. Uh, secondly, yeah, we, we may have I'm not joking. agreed at times and we may have had to have little breaks yeah. <laughs> where we just left the closet. Yeah. But yeah, I think... It's I, a peak and a pit. It's a peak and a pit. Uh, yeah. I agree. I mean, you guys have to remember when we started this, we had a heat wave in the UK, which, you know, happens every, I don't know, 10 years. Exactly. It and was around 40 degrees. It was around 40 it? degrees. Yeah. And we were we were locked in here because we figured that volume and the sound would only sound good in here and that's yeah. actually really the case and I mean I just there's so many things that I remember from ordering the equipment yeah. during lockdown that didn't arrive and that yeah. arrived wrong and to finding out what we needed to order and to actually figure out how which is by the way all of Lara that's your genius to figure out how we even <laughs> get people from the other side of the world to to sound like they're in the room. And yeah, and was... it's been trying, but it comes to where we are today. And today we have two fantastic guests. We have Shingy from The Noisettes and we have Skin from Skunk and Nancy. Yeah. And I was... One of the great things about this interview is I didn't actually know that these two magnificent artists actually knew each other and have a huge history with each other. Absolutely. And we... Guys, we have a treat for you. There are some stories that you will exclusively hear on this podcast mm. that I don't think have ever been mentioned before. Yes, and I'm going to tease you in with it. One involves a closet and uh, a party. An and after party. <laughs> an after party and a big music session happening inside a closet. Like yes. us, with like, our podcast. Yes, except, except two very famous <laughs> fantastically, phenomenally talented yeah. women. So I have been a fan of, of both of them for a long time. I'm honoured to call them friends. And yeah. um, I'm also honoured to say that they agreed to come on this podcast in a time where Skin mm. has just come out with her new book. And Skin, for those of you that don't know, because we didn't actually mention it in the interview, was the first black Brit to headline Glastonbury Absolutely. in 1999, contrary to actually... 
people thought Stormzy was when he recently yeah. did, but it was Skin. Yeah. And both Skin and Chingy have done the most incredible tours and performances. And like Lau said, we're incredibly honored to call them friends and um, to work with them. And yeah. To work with them today. Yeah. So for me, um, my first. The first time I heard Skin, I was in my teens and it was obviously weak. And that was the anthem in Germany. I mean, I, I don't even know if Skinny knows how famous she actually is in Germany. Obviously, she's hosted X Factor in Italy and she knows she's known in Europe, but Germans are nuts about her. I am. Uh, so much of my teenage angst has, has been no related way. to that song. Absolutely. And then... When I was fortunate enough to meet her, she was just, oh, yeah, she's the best. And also, please, please, please go and read her book. It is an insight into one woman's story that has just crossed and, and broken down every boundary mm. you can imagine from a black female artist yes. in the UK. And for me, Shingi is, I knew the Dennis Ferrer song, obviously, Hey Hey, which yeah. she is best known for although she's done many thousands of other songs that I equally love but when Hey Hey came out I will never forget it I know exactly where I was I was in a club in a house of France dancing on a table and we listened to the song and I remember my friend Shelby remain nameless and I looked at each other and we just thought this is the best thing ever ran up to the DJ and asked him if he could repeat it which he was like please leave the DJ booth oh no <laughs> yes. you were one of those I was one of those and then I didn't leave him alone until the end when he played it again and here we are I think it's probably 15 to 20 years later mm. um, or something like that and and we're friends and she's on our podcast so she's fantastic and Shingy has a brand new album coming out called Too Bold um, it's coming out in a couple of days actually and she's just had one of her singles out called We Roll it's so good uh, which I am so so excited for her because it's a fantastic album they're yeah. both very accomplished and I don't think there's any better words other than their own to explain what they're doing so shall we go into the let's interview let's do this guys here's Skin and Shingi hi Skinny thank you so much for joining us today we're so excited to have you on at home with the Lalas the podcast where we check in with people all around the world and see how they are coping so first of all tell me how are you today I'm very good. I'm very good. I'm in Ibiza. It's a beautiful sunny day. Yeah, it's weird. It's kind of, I almost feel guilty for being in a lovely place after the year that we're having. It's just a crazy year, but I decided to just live in the moment and just enjoy what you can when you can. Absolutely love that. It's a big day for you. It's just been announced that you've got your own show on Absolute Radio. And of course, you've got your big book out, which we're going to talk about in a second. But let me ask you first, where did you spend lockdown and how have the last few months been for you? Um, I was in lockdown with my wifey. We were, uh, she lives in New York in her beautiful apartment there. Well, luckily, it's quite a big apartment. So we were at either end of the apartment. I, I kind of took over one of the rooms at the front of the house and she was in the room at the back. And so in terms of us, it was great. You know, we loved being together and we had four months like that. And in terms of the lockdown, I think you have to almost slightly separate yourself personally from the greater world things because... We're in a situation where we don't know what's going to happen. So I'm just taking each day as it comes and I'm living in the moment and I'm enjoying the moment and I'm trying to find the right way to be happy within the things that I'm doing. Um, because I think there's a sense of like, there's only so much control that we can have over our lives. And I'm sorry and to interrupt. Please continue. Hi. <laughs> oh, girls, I'm so happy. Ladies, I want to say thank you so much for joining us both. And... We have to just know, how do you know each other? 
Oh my God. Um, I, when the noise that started, I was just obsessed. I was like, I love this band. This band is amazing. And so I think it was Ace who kind of knew somebody in the band. And then we just kind of got ourselves introduced. And I think you guys came on tour with us. And um, when I was doing my solo stuff, and I just thought, I just thought they were one of the brightest, brilliant, freshest new bands I've seen in a long time. And Shinge is a lead singer. Oh my God, bass player and everything. Just Thank brilliant. you. Yeah. You're one of the most incredible lifetime musical inspirations and creative inspirations. But I do remember that you had this amazing party and my friend was like, <laughs> do you want to go to a party? And I was like, who's party? And they were like, it's Skin from Skunk and Nancy. I was like, what? I was like, uh, yeah, of course. So I remember we turned up because we had a warehouse party that we were supposed to be playing at or a squat party after your amazing party, which was at your beautiful house in West London and we ended up having a jam in the cupboard and I met Kelly Okorecki ended up jamming with him in the cupboard with the band yeah that's right because I remember somebody came downstairs and said skin there's a bunch of people in your wardrobe and I was like people in my wardrobe and I was like yeah there's a bunch of people in your wardrobe and I went upstairs and I opened the door and there was you uh, I think it was you and two I think it's going to be your band and Kelly from Block Party and you were jamming on guitars in my wardrobe. And I just remember I slowly closed the door back and left you all to it. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, we, we were probably jamming because we actually had a gig to do that night. We were supposed to be on a squat party somewhere in East London at like one in the morning. And I had my vintage blue Mercedes parked outside Skin's house. We were probably jamming to something from our first album. So maybe it was Scratch oh. Your Name, I don't know. But Kelly... But because I met Kelly through Skin, that's how we ended up doing our first US tour. So thank you so much for that, Skinny, because I kept in love. Yeah, I kept oh, in touch really? with Kelly, who I like properly fancied at the time as well. And then we, we, yeah, we swapped <laughs> numbers. And then I got a call from him about, I think it was about four or five months later going, we're going on tour and we'd love you to open up for us. And I was like, where? And he was like, America. So thanks to you, darling. Yeah, beautiful. Wow. Thank you. You know, it's so funny. I met Kelly because I was in a club in Deepest Darkest Jackson <laughs> and it was a gay club. And I was dancing on the dance floor and I turned around and I saw this guy and I think he'd had too much to drink. And he was literally leaning and he's kind of leaning and he's falling over. And so I kind of went and picked him up <laughs> and carried him to the toilet and gave him some water. And then I looked at him and I said, Are you Kelly from Block Pie? <laughs> <laughs> and that's how we became friends. So, you know, those are These the These are the stories of the legendary stories, though. Something to tell the grandkids. I've actually, first time I've actually told those, both of those stories. It's hilarious. They're not even in my book. <laughs> These are the pre-lockdown stories. Shingy, we just checked in with Skin before you came on about how she's been maneuvering during lockdown what's your experience been like where are you right now and how is um shingy doing during lockdown oh thank you so much for asking thank you goddess so for the start of lockdown in march me and my siblings just all decided and, and a cousin of mine decided to just move back into the family home in kent so my mum's got a, a lovely house there in the country and we cleared out all of the noise um storage actually where we've been storing most of our sort of tour 
touring gear over the last decade. And there was a sense of panic as well. And there was a lot of kind of fear, I think, installed in a lot of people that lived in cities. Like, oh, if you don't leave, you might not be able to leave the city. And, and you know, my mum's got pre-existing health conditions um, in the sense that she's a breast cancer survivor and she's also a stroke survivor. So we didn't want to put her at risk by coming in and out of London and commuting. And I thought, if I don't go to Kent now, I might not see mum for five or six months. So we all just camped out and it was like all living together for the first time since we were teenagers. Ages. And we decided to set up a lot of the Noisette's equipment into this lovely half garage, half spare room at the back of the house. And we turned it into a music rehearsal creative space and decided to do a live stream every Saturday for 12 weeks. We did a family live stream called Grounded Vibes from the Fan Base. And basically my sister is an incredible actress and does a lot of musical theater. She was actually playing Winnie Mandela on tour in Italy when lockdown struck. So she's been in like Harry Potter and loads of really cool things. My brother's Quay is also an artist, an amazing uh, singer songwriter. And so um, we're all, most of us are creatives. So we just turned the kind of music room into a sort of wonderland to help us cope with the sort of mental health and the anxiety that sort of came along with it. And yeah, so so doing that stream kind of kept us sane and then kind of didn't really get back to London until August. You know, you were right, because if you hadn't gone there, you would not have seen her for like six months or something like that. So that was a wicked, wicked move. I mean, I was in New York and I just ended up being there for four months. And so... I just turned the, the, the front room of the house, I turned into my studio um, and I bought a bunch of equipment. I bought decks and DJ gear and blah, blah, blah. And I did a couple of live streams over there. And um, I wasn't as creative as you because I was just kind of, in some ways, it was the first time in my life I had actually done nothing since I was like 18. What? So the first few weeks, we just watched Netflix and ate crisps. <laughs> And then after like three weeks, we were like, okay, this might get a bit longer. So we have two apartments. We turned the downstairs apartment, which is my wifey's office. She runs, she does these big festivals. I turned it into a gym. So I ended up doing like an hour and a half workout every single day for literally three months. And I just really enjoyed kind of being in the same time, in the same place, working out online with my trainer Um, and then doing creative stuff in the afternoon. In the evening, we would stop at six. And then we would like make food and have dinner and watch Netflix. And so it was like I was having these nine to five job, which I've never done my whole life. And I actually really liked it. I mean, you know, it's we don't know what we're going to do from one day to the next. And this is the first time in my life where, I mean, let's face it, we have careers that are very kind of don't know what's going on, do what's going on and things. We're used to adapting and to change. But this is the first time that we really don't know if anything that we plan is actually going to happen. So now I'm much more, every day I'm trying to do something that gives me joy and something yeah. I enjoy. Do you know, I actually found the consistency a little bit brutal for me, if I'm honest. I think if I'd have had my own flat with a gym and some DJ decks and didn't have like, you know, was what the thing is, it was great going back to mums and as you said, being creative with the family, but I was also living with, you know, 10 to sort of 14 people that I hadn't lived with since I was a teenager. And like you, Skinny, 
I haven't had like any kind of consistency or stability since I was about 16 as well when I left home. So the first two months, I found it quite difficult, like having the same routine, waking up with the same people, having breakfast at the same time, having lunch at the same time. <laughs> for me, it was, just, it was just one other person. So I was great. I loved it. Yeah, yeah. And I'm really, really grateful for the fact that actually I did get to spend some great family time. But, you know, when you talk about the decks, that reminds me of when you invited us to come and do some dates with you you had a UK tour with some of your solo stuff you invited us to play the Scotland leg so we had like three shows of you in Scotland and on the last night of, yeah the yeah. last one we played King Tut's opened up for you That's in right, Glasgow yeah. which is a legendary venue and then I got the shock of my life when our tour manager was like oh Skin has said that she's DJing at a club tonight and wants to invite you guys so first of all I'm already like drooling because I'm on tour with you and this is just like a dream come true for me we end up going to this club and then I see you like on this massive DJ podium and I had no idea as if this woman was not giving me drop draw every single moment. Now I find out she's like got some secret life as some superstar DJ. And I was like, <laughs> wow, she's like also plays, you know, it reminds me of like what I love about you as an artist, yeah, Skinny, is that you have so much range and so much versatility. Like you rock out at the stadiums. You have that punk, rebellious, creative you know, rock and roll spirit. You also just have this soulful, like amazing lyricism and empathy for what's going on. And then you also get the whole like nightlife shubs raving. So you're ticking all my boxes, babes. Like, and I just love that rave. <laughs> I love it. Oh, we're not letting these our presenters get what it is. No. <laughs> but you two have that as well. This is another thing, actually, that extends to the extends to the lalas because behind this podcast you have like seven different incredible lives that you're living creatively anthropologically philanthropologically like you guys do so much share more of that with us and how you guys cope you know it's been for Lara and I the charity has always been important I have Obviously, I'm an actor, Laura produces, and we have our DJ career as well together. But the, the thing is today, and this is our last episode, and you two were the two women that we desperately wanted on. And we're so happy it's worked out because this is weird times for everyone, okay? Yeah. And we're not going to just jump over the issues that are happening in the world. And I do want to know what you guys' opinions and what your hopes are, really, and what you think we can do to make this world a teeny tiny better place right now. Well, why don't we start with you, Skinny? Well, you know, I have a very simple, quiet answer for that. What we all have to do is we all have to be standing on concrete and not quicksand. So the first thing I will say to people is like, first, you have to sort yourself out. You know, you have to actually kind of regress and look after yourself, mind, body and spirit, because you can't help anyone else or be effective in any of the things that we need to do. And what we really need to do is have effective people. So for me, I think there's a lot of people who just have to work out their personal home financial situation and just be strong enough that they can take on the weight of the world as well. The most important thing is like is to get involved and to be part of the change that is happening naturally in the world. You know, you've got to sort out your own mental health and sort out your own kind of system, your home life and your finances. Mm. Because not everybody can go demonstrating, not everybody can get involved. So that's my first thing. And the next thing is that this is a time where things are really changing on the planet. This is a time where we actually have to kind of stand back and get off the fence and actually fight for what we believe in. 
because I think there's a right-wing wave happening across the world. You know, I think I, I'm going to say this, and a lot of people are going to not like me saying this, but I'm saying that as someone who studied history and someone who studied Germany and somebody studied what happened with Hitler, you know, I see a lot of similarities mm. between the gradual wearing down and the aggression towards people who try to do effective change. And, you know, there's a lot of similarities with this. And if we're not so careful, we're going to be back in a situation where we have extreme right wing running the world and starting wars and doing all kind of business. So I think at the same time as sorting out yourself, you've got to make yourself stronger because there's about to be a really big fight happening in your local area, in your country, in your town. You know, I think we all really need to get off that fence and get involved in that once we sort it out ourselves. Because until you sort it out yourself, it's very difficult to help in a situation and we need people who are going to be strong about it. So that's like, without going on too much and too deep into it, I think what's happening in America is really scary. And I think what happens in America gets reflected around the world. What that's doing is energizing the extreme right wing and the white supremacists and the proud boy types of gangs in all of our cities and towns. It, this is energizing them. And we've got to stop it dead. We've got to stop it dead. Then we could not we agree, agree more. more. It is a very, very scary thing that can happen without people actually realizing they're participating. Yeah. Drip. It's a drip, drip, gradual thing. You know, Hitler had 1930 to 1939. It's, it didn't happen like next week. And the way that we've got used to Trump lying and behaving badly and doing this thing, and yet he's still the president of America. The corruption, the blatant racism, all of that stuff that he's been doing, like the list goes on. These things don't happen overnight. They happen gradually over the space of years. So if they, if he stays in and if he gets re-elected, I think it's going to get really bad. And I think we have to... Yeah, I, I definitely echo, you know, um, definitely echo that 100%. And I also feel like there's a lot of power in, in what Skinny is saying about doing the work in your own kind of sector, doing the work in your own home, with inside yourself. You know, I think that there's an amazing amount of space that's been made for empathy in the West at the moment, which has meant that they're like humbled and happy by how many people have emerged as allies to some really, really important causes, not causes that have just come around for now, but things like, you know, Black Lives Matter and just just ensuring that, you know, people are just not prejudice is not the leading loudest voice in the room going forward. So I feel like because the West hasn't really experienced such mass kind of like suffering and kind of death and threats to their own kind of survival and comfort and, you know, since the Second World War, because of the fear and just the great number of fatalities and illness that corona has brought, I think it's just actually also, yes, there's been a lot of extremism and a rise on the wrong side of the tracks where people are responding to fear and listening to the bullies. But there's also a massive group of us that have opened up ourselves to listening to each other in the community and the global community, which I find as an artist has been really, really exciting. And I think, yes, Skin's right. We need to stay on that path where we have now decided that we are allies and that we are ready to be brave and speak out and even go as far to fight for certain causes. We need to be consistent with that. It can't 
can't just be something that we're doing performatively on social media. It has to be something that we are actively doing our best to ensure takes place in our offices, in our schools, in our places of work. And I also think it's really important to never underestimate the power that you have as a consumer, because in order for these phrases such as, you know, white supremacy or misogyny or the extremely negative aspects and suffocating effects of capitalism, in order for those to continue, it needs a cosign by most of us. We need to basically buy into it. We need to purchase a lot of things that we don't need out of fear, out of the fear of feeling that we don't fit in. I think art and popular culture has a big part to play in messaging. So me, like what I what I found really, really kind of saved and helped my mental health over lockdown was deciding that, you know what, I started an album in October and I said, maybe I'm going to pause it and finish it. I said, no, the world needs music and creativity that is not responding in the usual negative messaging that pop music has been, for, I think, in my humble opinion, allowed to perpetuate. There's been a lot of negative uh, sort of shallow messaging. There's been a lot of kind of like fast food culture, you know, in the last 10 years with the intersection of like pop culture, social media and just people socializing in a different way and I think it's hit fever pitch so now a lot of people are living online because of COVID a lot of people's existences are virtual so if you're in the art industry in the music industry in the fashion industry just be I think aware of the vibes that you're putting out for your art and the music as well do you know what I mean yeah and I would also just to finish very quickly on that that I think a very important thing that left-wing and liberal people have to think about and also people who are also right-wing. But there's a difference between that and right and wrong. So just because you're right-wing, it doesn't mean you're white supremacist. It doesn't mean that you're going to, you know, that you're a, a Nazi, right? I think it just means that you're different viewpoint because of your experience or whatever. But, you know, I think we also have to make sure, because one of the things that the extreme right-wing are very, very good at is sticking together to get their stuff done, which is why they have stuck behind Trump. You know, they know he's not a Christian. They know he's a misogynist. They know he's sexist. They know he abuses women. But because he's in power, they just stick to that thing. They're like, it doesn't matter. He's in power. It doesn't matter what he does. It doesn't matter that he doesn't pay his taxes. He's in power and we have to have power. Right. Where the left wing, what we tend to do is we're so kind of like caught up in the movement on that we actually destroy each other and destroy our own allies. And we separate and we polarize within the left wing things. You know, where the right wing, they're like, yeah, you know, we don't like him, but we don't care. He's in power. We've got to kind of like gather together and formulate, you know, like in that film, Racket Ralph, when all the little tiny Racket Ralphs come together to make one giant fish. That's what we've got to do. We've got to stop concentrating on the people who want us dead not the people who wear a Jamaican bikini bra, you know? It's like we're, we're putting so much energy into tearing down each other, are using that against us, number one, and they are skating past us on a skating rink while we're sitting there arguing with each other. They're just skating past us and they're becoming stronger and stronger and stronger while we just sit there and tear ourselves apart over ridiculous things of whether Adele's got a Jamaican bikini and whether that's appreciation or appropriation. Oh, absolutely. I don't care. I don't give yeah, a flying yeah. fuck, right? I care about the... That the police are going to fucking go out there and kill black people and, and tear black people down. I, I also think that. that we can pattern up together in terms of like being consistent in what we buy into. And I think that is also showing solidarity. It's like, where do you spend your money? It's like, do you really yeah, need to keep exactly. supporting products and corporations that you know they're going to do the same old thing and it's like don't just put the square if you know you're not going to actually as you said go out and support 
people in your community that are doing their best. Know your power as a consumer. If you don't like it, we need to start boycotting these people where it hurts. Hit them where it hurts, in their pockets, in their wallets, but together and all kind of, as you said, not tearing each other down. But yeah, don't underestimate the power that yeah. you have. And always remember that for every kind of one or two loud bullying mean people there are in the world there are eight or nine of us that are usually incredible and good and i think there's a too much media space like four people like trump or four people who are spouting a lot of negativity when actually we sometimes get sucked into that vacuum and don't realize look there's so many like we have the power if they say that oh you know 90 percent of the world is ruined and disrespected by the evilness of 10 percent let's act like the 90 percent as you said skinny let's come together and be that 90% in terms of like the way we spend our money, like the things that we buy into, the things that we support. So yeah, yeah. there are so many ways that we can come together and, and pattern up, you know, as we say in the ends, yeah, just to yeah. be en masse, to come and move as a force. And I feel like we also need the art and the soundtracks to support this movement as well, because it is a movement and lots of incredible successful movements in the past had incredible music. Like we had a change is gonna come, you know, we had Young, Gifted and Black. We had so many incredible, you know, what's going on, Marvin Gaye, like Bob Marley. I feel like there's a lot of people in the pop pop space, pop cultural space that are scared to kind of like put their kind of um, empathy into their music because they've got a lot of allegiances with brands or labels and maybe it's not cool. So you can't go and march for Black Lives Matter and then go and be spitting bars about disrespecting women or like, you know, kind of putting a lot of negative messaging into your music or your work. So I feel like it's one thing, Skinny, for us to go out there and march and be solid and be together. But if you go home and what you turn on the TV, what are the films about what's the music saying do you know what I'm saying like if those things don't match up as well I feel like then we're kind of contradicting ourselves because we're going out there taking risks in our jobs marching taking risks in our careers by speaking out as we are as well as artists the four of us but then if we go back and we're like making songs about like f this and but you know what I mean it's like we can't yeah. do you know what I mean you can't have it both ways yeah. I feel like we need the art to start talking as well now. Like pop art and, and culture and theatre and music and literature can also yeah. be very, very powerful, you know, because otherwise the media is the only loudest voice and that's often perpetuating the same negative stereotypes and giving the same 10% of the world, which are the bullies, the mic. On that, Shings, um, both of you have been doing great things within your arts. Skin, I know you've just had a book come out, It Takes Blood and Guts. And Shingy, you've got an album that's coming out. I want you both to tell us all a little bit about your projects and how they've been received, how they're going, all of that. Yeah, I mean, the book is two and a half years in the making. Actually, we started it way before lockdown, but the silver lining, and I, I like to look for silver linings when I think about lockdown, we had 14 hours a day to actually finish it and to edit because you write the book and then you rewrite the whole book and then you rewrite the whole book. And I guess really, I think one of the things that spurred it on was that I felt like when people look at the 90s, they just keep talking about Britpop and the same five bands. And actually, I think there's more influential things that happened. You know, if you think about somebody like Goldie, right, and Jungle and, and all that stuff, you can draw a line from, from Goldie all the way to Stormzy. Because and in, the, in there's going to be two-step, there's going to be jungle, drum and bass, there's going to be dubstep, there's going to be all of those things. And you, in, and then at the end of it, you get grimy, you get stormy. 
And if you look at the popular music that's now, really it's reggae and hip hop and the rap music, you know, mungled into one to do a different thing. And so I felt like they, I wanted to tell a different narrative about what was going on then. Mm. And I'm going to do it from the perspective of somebody who had nothing to do with Britpop, um, who was kind of lamblasted for not being Britpop. Um, and I'm going to tell a story of a, you know, a gay black woman um, fronting a rock band instead. <laughs> Fantastic. I love that. Shingy, what about you? I can't wait. I'm so excited to read it. Yeah, I mean, I love what you said there, babes, about just like the lineage of music and like, you know, contemporary pop popular culture in the last kind of 15 years often omits and writes out the key people and the key movements in those scenes. And, you know, in my experience of, like you, getting a huge sort of success as being a black female fronting a band, which yeah. I quote one journalist asked me, what does it feel like to play white man's music? And I was just like, wow, you really, oh, you're whoa. getting paid like loads of money to be a journalist. You probably have a degree in this. And the only thing that you think equates Rock. And you don't know where rock music comes there from. There you go. You don't know about that lineage. <laughs> you know, it came from Exactly. Blues. Yeah. So for me, like similar to your book, actually, lineage has always been like an important thing for me to celebrate um, in my music. And, you know, since since kind of like evolving from the noisettes, I've done a record called Ancient Futures, which is celebrating and giving recognition to the African rhythms and melodies that, you know, you wouldn't have most of these styles of music um without as well so with too bold i guess i mean it's going to be like my fourth album in like i don't know 10 years or so but it's the first kind of debut solo album but it still does have um you know dan um played on a couple of tracks and toby our drummer played on a couple of tracks as well but for me too bold is the title track and it's from um, the lead song, which is saying, too dark, don't let them tell you you're too smart. Don't let them tell you you're too fast. Too dark, too bold. Yeah, so that's a little snippet. But um, my name in the Shona language of Zimbabwe means basically to be bold, to be brave. Basically, kind of like, you know, like someone that's bold, that doesn't give up. That's something that I've always kind of had a love-hate relationship with because I also have like my vulnerable sides where I sometimes, times when I do want to give up and I have found it really challenging in a lot of ways in this industry however too bold is celebrating me now being independent and wanting to share like the strength and a lot of the personal stories that I've learned from with others who have ever felt like you know they've been given a ceiling or told them that you know been told oh you're too large we can't use you we can't book you for that so it's just it's a very versatile record it's very defiant it's basically just like you know tapping into a lot of music styles that I love from the African inspired Afro beats to like me I'm playing a lot of guitar on the record this time round because I actually played guitar on the first Noisettes record and then kind of was playing more bass on like Wild Young Hearts and Contact so yeah I've got wow. more into like it That's yeah cool. there's loads of like really really amazing soundscapes and I'm singing about stuff that's really really deep and that I haven't really had the courage to directly sing about yet I'm singing about um, some of the trauma and the grief that I faced like in my childhood and um, growing up in South London, losing a parent as a child. Like there's so many topics in there, but there are, as you said, silver linings, because for me, whenever I deliver a deep song, it, I still don't want people to feel like heavy afterwards. I want people to feel like there is a sense of hope. So I'm going in guys, man. I mean, this record nearly emotionally, it's taken me, yeah, it's taken me to such a place. You both give us so much hope. So, so much hope, just the word silver lining, just the fact that 
obviously skinny. You wrote this book. You brought it out now. You, by the way, just booked a big show today. It's just been announced. We talked about it earlier on Absolute Radio. And Shingy, with your music, you know I'm a big fan. I loved Ancient Futures. And for me, I'm I'm very proud that, that you have both, both, both given us the hope that there is a better world out mm. there and that together we can make a difference because Lara and I are right there behind you, next to you, fighting for you. Thank you so much, you two. You know, we're the people they're going to come for first. So we don't have a choice to sit back and do nothing because we are going to be, you know, they're going to come for the blacks, they're going to come for the Jewish people, the females, the trans, the gender, the non-binary, you know, all of us people, all of us different people that aren't just, you know, um, white bits of bread, you know, they're going to come for us first. So we've got to back each other up, we've got to support us. And we ain't, you know, they, they ain't going to win because they didn't win last time. They haven't won every single time in history and they won't win now. Yeah, we've got to use our voices and our talents. And we will. And ladies, when we're all in London, can the four of us are actually, with all your partners, of course, meet up and hang out and have a dinner and have a glass of wine and celebrate life? Absolutely. Yeah, we do. It's been a while, Laura. It's been a I while. I can't wait. <laughs> I promise we won't start a jam session in the cupboard. <laughs> you probably- oh, we would love nothing more. In fact, you're coming to mine, and all we want to do is jam and listen to you. I want to say the biggest thank you in the world. Um, thank you for being you. Thank you for inspiring us every day. Because Lara and I both read your posts. Lara and I both admire you as women, as artists, as females, as front women really as you know as yeah. everything you are and write your truth in your records and to write your truth in your books in your lyrics we love you very much We've, we're coming to the end of the show and we want to say again a huge thank you to you and bless yes thank you so much for coming on skin and chingy i love you both so much goodbye Mwah. Oh, thanks, guys. That means so much. I'm I'm so nourished, man. I'm so good to go for the rest of the week. Like, seriously, thank you for the food for thought. <laughs> it's a pleasure to have you as comrades and as allies, and you make the, the revolution all that more wonderful, colourful, and just, like, everything that it needs to be. We, we've got this. We've got this, guys. We've got this. Much love, and we wish you all the best in the world. Thank you, guys. Big thank kiss. you. That was Shingy from the Noisettes and Skin from Skunk and Nancy. And oh my God. I'm still in shock, Lara. Lara is completely I'm, fangirling. I'm completely fangirling. I mean, I am over every guest, to be honest. But again, you know, they say don't meet your idols and then you do. And then they come out with, with this. Exactly. It's just, that was a piece of rock history that'll never, ever, ever leave my mind. No, it's been fantastic. And like Lara said, we have had such a lineup over this season of At yes, Home with the thank Lalas. thank you. At Home with the Lalas. Thank you so much. Thank you to Rose McGowan for being our very first guest and for giving us all the time and calling in from Mexico and being so generous with her time. Mm, and Big Nasty giving us a lowdown on CBD and weed and all the different effects of exactly. these, uh, these lovely plants. Exactly. And then also, of course, Sarah Mulindwa, who reported literally from the front line because she went back to becoming a nurse. Exactly. And we had Bryony Gordon just before her new book came out and she took the time to sit down and speak to us, which was just amazing. Incredible. And one of my, probably my favourite, 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 favourite writer ever, Matt Haig, decided to come on and speak to us on the day, literally, 
literally as of George Floyd's death during mm. that week. And it was a tough one, you know, and he was just so generous also with his time. So thank you, Matt. And we had Joanne Froggart, I who know. is one of the most incredible actors on Downtown Abbey, on Liar, and also at incredibly funny, yeah, generous, witty. Uh, Golden Globe winning. <laughs> Golden Globe winning human being. Um, yeah. Thank you, Joe. We really appreciate it. Yeah, we loved it. We loved your story. Actually, I listen back to it all the time because yeah. it was just so funny. And then, of course, the biggest thank you to, to all of you, to everyone that mm. has listened, to everyone that has liked, that has commented, that has rated us. It has meant more than anything you'll ever know because if you we're doing this. Thank you so much to D1 Vodka for sponsoring this episode. We are going to be back with a brand new series very shortly, so please keep your ears and your eyes peeled all over our social um, platforms as we will be announcing it very soon. Yes, we will be announcing it very soon, and until then, stay safe and stay healthy, and we will be back. <laughs>